you ladies. Take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 15. I was going to preach something else, uh, and this morning the Lord gave me this, and uh, I'll preach what I was going to preach tonight. Brother Joe's sick, so you all keep him in prayer. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, that's, I told the Lord 15, 17 years ago, I mentioned this, uh, I got sick, I was sick for 25 years, and I told the Lord, I said, I can't do this church stuff, being sick all the time. I told Beth this morning on the way into church, I said, if I ever quit this, I'm, I'm, I'm Mike, Mike uh, or uh, Brother Barry came and said, I can't believe you didn't see those lights flickering because they flickered for the last year. I said, no possible way, man. So I asked Mike, I said, Mike, when did you change those light bulbs? He goes, about a year ago. <laughs> I'm like, well, then there's only one excuse. I said, I'm always looking down because I'm depressed all the time. Brother Pilkington looks up like, ah, ha, ha. So he's seen them, I guess. <laughs> I never paid no attention that they, they were flickering all over the place. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 1. You stand real quick for the reading of the word of God. Four verses, I'll be it. He says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ uh, pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, for our, uh, that we, through patience and, and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I do pray that you'd bless this message. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I just pray today would be a great day for them to do that. Uh, Lord, again, I just thank you for all you've done. Bless now. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is sitting here writing. And he says something, you say, how in the world can you do this that quick? It's easy, man. This book is the craziest book in the whole world. I, he said something I want to mention. You can get, I believe you can get saved out of a lot of different Bibles. Don't, don't, think, don't think I don't think an ESV, RSV, ASV, NIV, you can't get saved. I had a Marine, he was preaching on the Mestex one day, and he was, he was standing on his table like this, and he was preaching. Ah, and the Bible says, infallible word of God. And uh, so I'm down here looking at it. He's a Marine. I'm a sailor, man. They could probably kill me and stuff. I'm like... You don't believe that. He goes, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. He goes, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. He goes, why don't I? I said, go read me Matthew 18, 11. And he had an NIV, and he pulls Matthew 18, 11 open, and it's not there. But the number's there. The number 11 is there. Now, I'm a logical kind of guy, man. I'm just logical. I, I can't be anything but logical. I'm sorry. That's, uh, my job was an ET, component-level troubleshooting. This thing is, I tell everybody all the time, if I can find it, I got a piece of junk here somewhere. That is a mathematical equation. That's all that is. If you can understand the math behind that thing, you can fix it. It's a mathematical equation, period. That's it. It's logic. Everything is logical. Uh, it's good logic, bad logic, blah, blah, blah. But when you tell me the word of God is sitting here, then if everything I look for in, in life is logical, and I look at the universe as it sits and atoms and everything else, and they're stable as they could be, except if you're talking about uranium or something like that, but most elements are stable, and you sit there and say, Lord, this thing is unbelievable. It was made by somebody. It's logic. For you to tell me that you're not logic, I expect a book to be logical. I expect that thing to be logical. And it's not logical to me for you to have a verse missing and I don't have that verse. That's not the problem I got. The problem I got is the number 11 is there. If the number 11 wasn't there, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a leg to stand on. But the 11 is there. Then why are you telling me that there should be something there? Or if there shouldn't be something there, what you just did is lied to me. What you're trying to do is match that thing up to this thing 
so that when I read Matthew 18, 12, your 18, 12 is right where my 18, 12 is, and you're hoping I don't recognize 11 gone. That's like that through all those Bibles. To me, that's deception. I'm sitting here reading a, a verse here, and it says, We then, therefore, oh man, Paul, we then that are strong. You know, there's strong people and there's weak people. There is strong Christians and there's weak Christians. And there's everybody in between. The Lord, and, and almost every one of them gave a good testimony there. Uh, the Lord, how are you going to tell a man that was a Buddhist 25 years? And he, uh, him and his wife, that's, that's, a great, that's a great testimony, man. How can you tell a man that's 25 years old and his wife, which was in that realm in Korea, were Buddhist, that was the normal religion. That would be like me and Roman Catholic. All of a sudden... You get saved, and you're both going to move. But I ain't going to tell you where. Got it, man. You start packing up. If I went home and told my wife that, she'd hit me with a brick. <laughs> While I'm sleeping, probably. But she'd hit me with something. And I mean, she, I mean to get the, 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 I've done stuff like that to her, and she thought I was out of my mind, but she still followed me. And, and I mean, just to get the pods, I could just imagine the pods being put in his front yard, and they're packing people, neighbors coming, where are you going? Did this ever happen? Where are you guys going? Don't know. <laughs> We're going somewhere. Well, we haven't figured it out yet. The Lord's going to tell us, but we don't know when. This, this is the bedroom. We, just, we got the only thing left is the bedroom. And the kitchen. We got a few pots and pans in the kitchen, but, but they go in that other one over there. And, and uh, have you figured out where you're going to go yet? No. And you just sit there and say, where? And then he says the Dayton. You know what the Lord will do? He, we're sitting over here going, oh, God, do you ever love us anymore? Do you care? Then he sends them. And you go, how in the world did you even hear about Anchor Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio? Lord said, because I told you 27 years ago to do something, and you did it. And I told you 26 years ago to do something, and 43 years ago I told you to do something, and you just kept doing. He goes, I already know what's going to happen out there 43 years later. You don't, and I'm not going to tell you because you'll mess it up. I'm just telling you, if you're in the right place, I mentioned that in Sunday school. We were in the right place, and you guys were in the right place, and everybody else was in the right place at the same time for that to happen this morning. You say, why is that? Because that's just the God we serve. He's got, he's got his plan, man. I'm just, I'm just glad to be a part of it, man, where I can throw my two mites in. He says, we then, therefore, we then that are strong. Paul is talking about a group of people within the body of Christ, and in your body you're going to have different people all along. And you got to sometimes say, hey, okay, I'm at a different place than somebody else, and I've got to really watch what I'm doing because I don't want to hurt the, the brother or sister in Christ that are coming up. Yet sometimes the people will come through, and they'll get hurt, and they'll, they'll leave, and they'll go out because they're hurt because somebody will come up and try to put stuff on them that they're not ready to get put on them. When he said, when he said we then, oh, he's backing up. Go back to 14, uh, chapter 14. Starts at verse 1. He, then, he that is weak in faith... Receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. You know what? We got to cut some people some slack sometime. Amen. You got to give them some time to grow. Boy, I, I love sitting under some preachers in my life, man, that's always giving me the time to grow. They look at me like, I can just see it. I had one preacher look at me like, and never say a word, and turn his head away and then look back. And I'm like, what are you looking at, man? Do I got, like, is my hair sticking up in the back or something? I said, is, is I got, it got what, what are you looking at? Because it always bothered me that he would look at me like that. And uh, yet he gave me time to grow. And uh, he actually ordained me. And when he did, uh, I, it was the worst ordination I've ever been in in my life. And it was mine. 
And I'm sitting there going, Lord, oh God, oh God. And that man sit there, Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, knew I was scared to death. I was in front of about eight, 900 people probably. Scared to death. I mean, if you don't think I can get scared, I was, I was scared that day. I couldn't even think. I didn't, if you'd asked me my name, I would have. I mean, he was asking questions. The whole crew was asking questions. The little kids out there were going, me, I got it. Let me answer that. I was like, and he had enough grace where he gave me a, a second chance, and he said something. He said, Brother Elliot. And as soon as he said that, it, it, it dawned on me what he was saying, and boom, I shot off. And he goes, oh, you're done, you're done. Uh, and he gave me my ordination. I still wouldn't have gave it to me. I still would have. I'm like, Lord, what an idiot. But the guy had grace. And you know what? Sometimes he's, I said, that a man seen something that I couldn't see, and he's seen a spark somewhere that, that, that is there, and he goes, it's a diamond in the rough, man. I mean, there's something there that this kid can work out later down the road, or maybe he'll never work it out, but let's just give him a chance, and he'll do it. Right here, Paul is saying, hey, church, you're fledgling. You're coming together. The reason I want to do that this morning, we're coming together as a church and we're growing and, and we're going to all be growing and we, we have an end goal to be there. We're all going to go to heaven one day. Uh, if you're in this room and you're saved and you know you're saved and you, it doesn't matter whether you know you're saved or not. If you know you got saved and you trusted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven whether you want to or not. Amen. Period. You say, well, I don't know if I'm, I'll tell you what, Shelly, Miss Shelly is a blessing. She, she came in, I'm gonna, because they were up here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna use them in my message. Yeah. Don't ever do anything in front of me and don't expect you to be in my message, man. Amen. It's gonna happen. That's why. She came in one day and she, her, her and Rich was coming and she goes, So you believe in that once saved, always saved stuff, don't you? Not quite like that, but it's kind of like that. I said, Well, yes. And she was just as sweet as she could be. I mean, I was like, Yeah, yeah, I believe that. I said, uh, and, and she goes, Well, I don't know if I believe that. I said, Okay. And we talked about five minutes. At the end of five minutes, I asked her how she got saved. She told me. And with all the verses I just showed her, I said, eternal life, everlasting life, blah, blah, blah. I said, so how long did you get saved for? She goes, I guess forever. <laughs> I said, and boom, right there, the thing changed. You know what the word of God does? This is the greatest thing in the whole wide world. I could have said, you wicked devil, you, get out of here. No, that's the wrong thing. I like, I, you know, if you don't train somebody, how are they supposed to do what they're supposed to do? If you don't help them get to where, if, if somebody didn't help me get to where I'm at, I would never be able to fix a thing. My dad was a drunk, and my dad made me fix things, and he could not teach me. He made me fix things that he could not fix. He made me work on things that he never worked on. He's seen in me that there was a quality that I could do some things, my mind could figure some stuff out, and he made me go way beyond where he ever was. And that's been paying off my whole life. I've had other men and women down through line that show me things that I just, I mean, there's no possible way I could learn them any other way. Paul is sitting here saying, don't, he said, receive the weak in faith. Why? One day they may be your teacher. I'm okay with that. Doesn't bother me. Verse four, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? I'm Jesus Christ's servant, not yours. Now, being his servant, Paul's going to talk about some stuff in 15. We'll get there in a second. Being his servant, that should change some things in my life. He says, who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. You stand or fall in front of Jesus Christ. That's going to be a fearful day. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, the day you walk in front of Jesus Christ, this might be a two-part two message. The day you walk in front of Jesus Christ and stand there and look at him. And I'm like Brother Walker, man. I think he's trying to cheer us on. I think he's like, you can do it, man. Come on, you can do it. I know who you're fighting against. It would be like putting... Uh, uh, the Catholic school over here against uh, the, the Denver 
Cowboys or whatever. You know, or the, I don't even know anything about football, but it'd be like putting a high school against some uh, NFL team out there. That they all come on on the t- on the field like this, and here comes these little high school guys, and they look at them like, and they're just going to get run over, and they win. You know what? The Lord knows who we're up against. He he understands exactly who we're up against, and he already said all that. He said, but he goes on right here, and he goes uh, verse four. He said, "Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. I'll stand or fall to Jesus Christ. Nobody else. Yea, he shall be held holding up, for God is able to make him stand." You know who makes me stand? God does. Nobody else makes me stand. I stand because God. If nobody else was around me, I could still stand. Why? Because the Lord said I'm going to stand. He's going to hold me up. Man, I was in a cheese man. I can't wait to get, I want to get to heaven so bad. There's one thing in my life I want to see. I, I want to see a playback on that day I was sitting on that chair in that chair in the cheese mess. I'm telling you, man, I felt, I felt. There was nobody behind me, but I felt like this finger going in my shirt. And it does, I go, eh, eh, eh. And I stood up, man. I mean, I was standing in a cheese mess with 77 and above. And I'm starting to preach at them, man. Like, you all are going to hell, you bunch of wicked devils. And this old master chief coming. I just go up. I mean, I've already started. It's too late. I can't stop now. I mean, I'm in this thing, and I ain't going to back down one hair. I mean, not one iota. It's all coming out right now. Everything's been pent up inside me for eight years. You're getting it now, man. They got it. They, then they run me out of cheese mess. But I was floating, man. I was like, woo yeah. I was like Mary Poppins, man. If I'd had one of those. <laughs> I, was, I can't tell you how excited I was to do that. And I'm like, boy, on the way out, I was like, Lord said, boy, you really did it now. I said, oh, man, did I mess up. I messed up big time. I said, man, I just, I messed up. I mean, I didn't mess up with a bunch of sailors. I messed up with the chiefs. These are the guys who run the ship. I said, I don't mess up all of them in there, all of them. The whole, the whole ship is all in there because they're all going to make fun of me and this other guy. And this time they ain't making fun. And they kicked me out of there. I never told my wife. I never told my wife one thing that went on in that ship. For four months, I went through hell on that ship. And I never told her one time. It wasn't her concern. It was mine. That was something the Lord walked. You know what he did? He helped me out. But I want to see that picture. I know it had to be Michael. I like Gabriel. Gabriel's a cool guy. He's a cool angel. I like him, man. I mean, I ain't going to say nothing bad about it, Gabriel. He's cool. But I know it was Michael. The Lord probably said, it might have been the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. It was somebody because I felt it. I mean, it's like, Ugh. And the ne- next moment I get standing on my feet and the words are starting to come out. He said, in that moment, and I'll give you what you need to say. I wasn't disrespectful to any of those guys. But you ain't going to make me do something against my God and make me do it. And then I'm going to stand there and do it. I ain't going to do it. Teal haul me. Throw me over to the side of the ship. Feed me to the sharks. I don't care. Shark ain't going to eat me. I said, if Daniel could get thrown in the lion's den, you could throw me in a pit of sharks, man. They ain't going to eat me. Not unless the Lord wants them to eat me. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could go inside of a a fiery furnace and and not even smell like smoke when they come out, you ain't going to hurt me. You know what the Lord says is don't look at their faces, man, because you, you know, they'll confound you, and pretty soon. I, did, I didn't say anything for years because I respected everybody, and I still respected them all. That's why when the Lord told me to go talk to Master Chief one year, he said, you go find that guy right now, and you go hit him. And you tell him exactly what you just did in his chief's mess. That's the senior man on board this ship, 1,000 men. That's the senior one, and he doesn't know what you just did because he wasn't in there. You need to go tell him because they all answered to that guy. Don't you go run and hide nowhere. I go right to his face. You say, what is it? I was just a baby. (laughs) 
But uh, I know that I'm going to stand before God. And that scared me more than those 70 chiefs did. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't care, man. I mean, uh, when it comes to God, when it comes to Lord Jesus Christ, if he can see one angel down here and he can whack, whack out, you know, 70, 80, 90,000 people like that, I don't want to mess with him. Not on that side. I want to be on this side, and I want to be like behind him watching him do all the stuff he's doing. But he goes on, verse 13, chapter, chapter 14. Uh, verse 7, verse 7 and 8. For none of us liveth to himself, and you don't. That's the hardest thing to get a Christian to understand. And no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, uh, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. If you ever get that in your crawl that you are his, and he is, you are his, and he is mine, but I'm his, I'm his, I'm his tool. That's why I'm a tool in the Lord Jesus Christ bag. And every now and then he reaches in there and grabs his tool, and it's, it's Brother Mike, man. He pulls Brother Mike out. And he says, Brother Mike, I got something for you to do. I need a hard head. Somebody, come here, man. I want you to go over here. I want you to do this. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I, you just do it, and that's all you do. People say, why, do you, why are you so hard? I'm not hard. I just, I don't know. I can't, I'm logical. I can't see black and white, man. Here you go. Watch this. That's going to tick all of y'all, probably. They got a Catholic school over here, and they got a football team. And we drove out here Friday night, and the place was packed. You know what? You know what we do? We have football teams, too, so our kids can be like them. Why are we trying to make our kids like them? They never turn out right. You do know that, right? Not according to that book. They don't turn out right. Why do we make our kids? Well, you know, they, the Catholics, the guy, I was Catholic, man. They got Catholics that got this and they got that. And, and, and we don't want to rob our kids. Why are we trying to make our kids like the world? The world has never done anything good for anybody. Why do we want our kids? I don't want my kids to be that way. Never did, man. I just don't like it that way. Uh, I never did. I don't understand. There's all kinds of things. I better stop, man. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm digressing. <laughs> we then that are strong. How about, how about verse 10? But why does thou judge thy brother? Ah, you better watch it, man. Watch this. He said, but why does thou judge thy brother? Or why does thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment of Christ. You're going to have to give account of that stuff. The Lord's going to look at you and say, who were you to do that? That wasn't your job. That's above your pay grade. Your job wasn't that at all. Never was that. Who gave you that right to do that? I'm like, Lord, you never gave me that right, so I'm shutting my mouth. You know where I get? I get this right here. I get the privilege of doing this. I'm like, yeah, man, I just get to read the book. That's it. People say, why do you read so much scripture? Because it's easy. I don't get the blame for this. He's already said it. <laughs> I'm just repeating. One. I'm not reinventing the wheel. Verse 11, for, I, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess. You say, well, I don't like going to the altar. I'll tell you what, one of these days, you'll be right in front of him like this. You'll probably be like this. You'll most likely be like this. And Michael or Gabriel will come along and do this. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Stand up here like a man. Gird up thyself. I got a few questions to ask you. I'm like, okay, that's good. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself, himself, to God. You'll have to stand there. This is going to take a lot longer than I thought. It wasn't supposed to take this long. It was them people up here at the beginning. They're the ones who caused me to lose all my time. <laughs> he goes, verse 12, he says, uh, verse 13, let, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, 
that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. You know, you got to watch what you do. And I tell you, I'm guilty. But for 43 years, I've tried my best and I've messed up bad sometimes. But I have tried for 43 years not to put a stumbling block in front of my brothers and sisters. I've tried my best. I mean, if I put one there, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But brother, I'm telling you what, most people don't care about their brothers and sisters. I've tried my best to do that. I've seen other men do the same thing and other ladies do the same thing. But it's, it's a hard thing to do because you got to put Jesus Christ in the forefront of you right here. And you can't let nothing else. That's why I did that in the Navy, in that chief's mess. Because what they were trying to do is slide in between me and him. And I'm like, no, there's no room in there for anybody else. I cannot let my vision ever get off of him because no matter where I'm at in this world, if I fall off the side or one side or the other, I have to have a clear vision of him so I can get back on. I can't let this world get between me and him. And that's what we do. We do it so easily to let stuff get in between us and him. We never develop that right there long enough to get this thing. Paul is sitting here and he he goes on and uh, he starts starts talking about the meat. Verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is, is is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Tyler's message is joy. Uh, I like 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 4. It says that your joy may be full. Uh, the Lord wants your joy full. He's rooting for you. He's rooting for you. He wants your joy full all the way, not just partly way, full all the way. But the only way you're ever going to get that joy full is in him. Uh, what then, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So that means as you grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, there's a reason why you're doing it so you can help other people like Brother Jake. I was back here talking to Brother Jake a few minutes ago, and I said, now, Brother Jake, I said, you gave a good testimony there during the offering. I said, now you got a piece of fruit. I said, now you're going to check on him all the time, and you got to make sure he's moving in the right direction, because God gave you somebody to help, and the, the gentleman has called him two or three times, a couple times anyways, and so now he's, he's his spiritual daddy, and now he's responsible. You're responsible. <laughs> And, and you're going to stand before Jesus one day and have to give an account. And I'm like, yeah, man, I like that. And, and I said, you got to make sure the Bible college is right. you got to make sure this is right, this is right, this is right, this is right. Because there's going to be a bunch of people in Poland that one day is going to have to see him. And they need the truth. They need the truth. That's what they need. They don't need him. They don't need it. They need the truth. They need Jesus Christ. All to bear the weeks in the furnace and not to please ourselves. You know what we do so many times? We please ourselves. This is all just a precursor to the message. The message ain't, I don't know if I'll ever get to it. I might not get to it until next week. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, all things are lawful unto me. I'll give you the verses. Paul says, I can do anything. I can do anything I want. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. It's not profitable. You got to sometimes say, is it worth, I went into a Walmart yesterday and, and they had some laptops on clearance. I need another laptop like I need a lower hold in my head. Uh, I need another computer sitting in my basement. Like, I, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I need. If you need a computer, come see me. I got plenty. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and here's the one on clearance. I'm like, <laughs> but it's on clearance. Who cares, man? Uh, that's like two Whoppers. Two Whoppers for $5. It is not expedient for me to eat two Whoppers for $5. I don't care if they're normally 10 but boy, my flesh says, oh. man, I was in uh, Kroger's the other day, and I'm a woohoo guy. Oh, it was terrible. They had bags of White Castle bites for $2.90 and 90-something cents. And I had to walk away, man. I mean, there's like 10 bags in there. And I'm like, oh, God. I said, uh, White Castle, White Castle. I mean, this is White Castle. This is White Castle. 
I mean, this ain't cheesecake or nothing like this. this is White Castle. And they're just little bitty, they're bites, little bitty hamburger bites. And I'm like, they're White Castle. And they're $2 and something. And I had to walk away. And it was tough because that Kroger's is like three hours from here. And I knew that I would never get back there to get them. But I did it. You say, why? Because it's not expedient for me. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the bondage, under the power of any. You know what prevents us from being what we should be and, and we're losing joy? is because we will not do what he tells us to do. We're all supposed to grow at, at a certain rate. And some of us grow a little faster than others, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we should be growing and moving out there. And, and Jesus Christ should always be first. Uh, I've talked to people, and, and I've been doing this for 43 years, and I've talked to people that I knew 43 years ago, their lives are shot. Because they never did what they should have done. And they, they'll, you know what they'll say is, oh, you're a goody-goody two-shoes. No, I just did what I was supposed to do. And I said, and I'm a miserable wretch, but you're worse than me because you never did what you were supposed to do. You say, well, what's the solution? You do it now. Yeah. You start right now and you get that thing under the blood and the Lord can correct all kinds of problems. And not to please ourselves. All you have to do is watch yourself. So am I doing this for me or is there a value in it now? I'm telling you, there's a time when you need to just go do something and just go chill out and have fun. But if that's everything is about you having fun, you're missing, you're missing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're missing the thing. Each and I got a couple notes here. Each woman, man, child, everything else must learn discretion. Paul is talking about discretion there. Discretion is a very interesting thing. Here's the, here's the, uh, the definition. Individual choice or judgment. That means you have to make a choice. You can't say, well, I just don't know what to do. No, you need to make a choice. Choices are needed. They need to be made. I'm not telling you they're going to be fun. I'm just telling you they need to be made. Power of free decision. God gave you that. He gave me the ability to have some discretionary things about what I do in life. I'm going to make some discretion. Power of free decision or latitude of choices within certain legal bounds. So I got bounds. And in this boundary, I can do all kinds of things. But the question is, is, will this hurt somebody else if I do this? Or will this do that? If that I mean, brother, you got to watch that stuff. To qualify or have having or showing discernment or good judgment, the quality of being discreet. Sometimes you need to be discreet. And it goes on. So, so when Paul is sitting here saying that we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, that means we ought to help them just like a mom and a dad helps her kids grow up until they can get on their own two feet. Verse 2 says, let every, back in uh, Romans 15, 2, it says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. Now, if you think Jesus Christ pleased himself while he was here, he did his father's will. That pleased him. Uh, but he gave like you wouldn't believe. All you have to do is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you go back and read Isaiah 53 and a few other places. Uh, let's go to Psalm 69. Psalm 69, 9. Psalm 69.9. Psalm 69.9. Real quick, just, just a verse or two. Verse 7. Oh, man. Yeah, verse 7. Because, Psalm 69.7. Because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Now, this is a psalm of David. People say, oh, that's David. No, that's not David. David, somebody's talking through David. Because for thy sake I have become a born reproach, shame hath covered my face, I am become a stranger unto my brethren, 
and an alien unto my mother's children. Catholic Church says Mary didn't have no children. There they are right there, man. Uh, they were prophesied about. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Does church eat you up? I mean, do you come to church and you're like, I want to praise God. And when you see people doing stuff that, I mean, have you ever been in a church where they just don't do anything right? Man, I mean, it's just like you want to get up here and say something. The best thing to do is go to a Catholic church. That'll really get you, man. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen on me. You know my sins was placed on him at Calvary? The sin, can you imagine the sin weight of the entire population of, of the world from Adam and Eve all the way up till right now? Was placed on him at Calvary. And he had to bear every bit of that to a place called hell. That's exactly what he had to do. Discretion is the better part of valor. You ever heard that? That was Sir Walter, Sir Walter Scott put that in a, in a poem he had. And in the poem, there was, and actually, uh, uh, Shakespeare used it too in a play. But there was a, uh, an officer, uh, a knight that, that uh, was in a battle, and he was playing dead, so he wouldn't get dead. And the king thought he was dead, so the king left, and then he gets up, and, and the quote that Sir Walter uh, Scott gave was that one right there. Uh, it's the better part of valor. And they said, uh, 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 well, Ecclesiastes 9.4 says this, For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. As long as I'm alive, there's hope. That's that, that officer got the hope. He said, as long as I'm alive, there's hope. And if, if I got to look like a coward in the process, then I, it, and Ecclesiastes goes, For a living dog is better than a dead lion. I can always fight another day. But if I'm dead, I can't. There's some wisdom in that thing. Sometimes it's better to run. When he sits there and says, but Jesus Christ never did that. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died. Verse 4, and here's the message. And I'll do it quick. Give me two days. For, whosoever, for whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. That first part says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Brethren, you got a volume of the Bible called the Old Testament. And that thing, oh, it is as sweet as it can be if you sit there and start reading that thing. And what he does is he shows you the mistakes and the failures and the successes of men and women down through here. And he tries to show you how to keep from doing that. You say, well, sin always gets me. Well, he shows you how. You can, you can find your sin. I heard a preacher preach the other day. He said, four things are going to get you. One of four things are going to get you. You're going to have a problem with money. You're going to have a problem with sex. You're going to have a problem with drugs, or you're going to have a problem with alcohol. And he preached a message on the bottle. And by the time he got done with that message, he hit all those. He said, I won't talk about these other three. I'm just going to talk about this. I'm telling you what, by the time he got done with that message, he hit them all. And any problem, one of those four things is what's in our society today. One of those four things is going to get you. Your eyeballs, man, a computer is going to get you. Uh, a billboard sign. I remember going over to Croatia. Uh, we was over with a missionary family, and and we were thinking about going to Croatia before the Lord told me to start this church. And, and Brother Johnny would say, hit the floor, everybody. And we'd go by a billboard, man. And they actually had naked pictures on the billboard. I think. I never got to see one of the billboards because he always made me go down the floor. <laughs> Johnny got to see him. <laughs> I need to ask him about that. I'm glad he did because I'd hate to him take the eyes off the road, man. <laughs> hit, hit the car in front of us or something. Whatsoever things were written aforetime. 
The whole volume. Paul is sitting here telling you that you got the one little verse like that. One little thing, man. He's, he's throwing the entire Old Testament into your lap right there. You say, why would he do that? Oh, man. You're supposed to learn from it. God created everything. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. When you start that thing, I mean, I, I, I look at that book like it's a candy store. When I go to that thing, it's like looking at a tech manual to me. I mean, I'm looking at in the beginning, God. He created, he created everything in the beginning. Where's the beginning at? I believe the gap. People think I'm crazy. I'm like, you're talking about God here. You're not talking about you and me. We're nuts. We're stupid. We're ignorant. But, but, but he was here forever. So you're telling me forever? There was never a forever before God, the earth was made? Oh, come on, man. That don't make no sense. If God was there forever, how do I know what he didn't do forever ago? I said, there's no way. I mean, this thing gets too big. You can't think like that. You got to stop and say, wait a minute. God can do anything. He says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and there's no S on that earth. And that heaven has no S on it. It's singular. Heaven and earth. And then shortly thereafter, it says heavens. There's a difference between heavens and heaven. I think God knows the difference. And I'm sitting there going, look, man. I said, this thing. He goes, Mike, I created this thing in moments. Poof. Trust me. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got your life, man. I got it. I got it. I could take care of your problem. But if you want to try to do it yourself, guess what? I'm going to let you do it. But I got it if you let me have it. You know, that's a hard lesson to learn. It took me many years to learn that lesson. I'm still trying to learn it. I know it a lot better now than I did before, but I'm still learning it. The angels. You know, way back, man, way back before Genesis 1-1, when the earth was somewhere else, which it was, the universe, I believe, is 6,000 years old. You say, that's heresy. No, it's not. I didn't say the earth. I said the universe was created 6,000 years ago. He put the earth in it. If you go by Genesis 1-1, exactly what it says. He created this thing out here, and there's a big old body of water out there. People say, well, there's water. There's water on Jupiter. Okay, I got that, man. I said he flooded the whole planet one time. And the water comes from up here and goes, and it gets everything wet on the way down. You ever been, took a shower? Have you tried to stay dry in a shower? I mean, all the stuff you hang on the walls with all the soap stuff in it, man, it's, water's hitting and splashing all over the place. If you're in the way, you're going to get wet. That's right. I don't care what it is, man. They say the water, okay, I got it, man. My Bible says that he flooded the earth and the windows of heaven were opened up and it came down from up there somewhere and it flooded the whole planet. And then he sucked it all back up. We're talking God here now. I'm not talking about you and me. He can do whatever he wants. You got to get to the place where he's right and he's always right. That pretty much leaves me always wrong, but unless I agree with him. And then I don't know how to agree with him right all the time. How do you agree with somebody that's always right? Unless it's your wife. It has to be, has to be. <laughs> Lucifer, how about Ezekiel 28, 15? Everything God does is perfect, by the way. Perfect. He says that was perfect in that way. Uh, from the day that was created till iniquity, he chose to sin. Adam and Eve was sinless. God does everything perfect. For whatsoever things were written, you know what he's telling you before? He wants you to live a perfect life. But he says, I know you can't. But let's get as close as we can. Follow me. And the heart of a man or woman has to come to a place where they'll follow him. Well, when you turn away from this world and say, okay, I'll let, to him, you just did something that nobody else can do. I mean, the, the angels can't do. The angels look down over him and say, how in the world did that happen? That, that guy or that lady is so far below us as, as the devil is below you. 
And yet they just did what you said do. How could they? Because I gave them the Holy Spirit, man. I gave them something that nobody else has had. I gave them me. Look at them. They'll do it, man. And, and the flesh, you got to overcome that flesh and do it. It's a crazy thing. For whatsoever things were written four times. The whole Old Testament is back here, lesson after lesson after lesson, story after story after story, to show you Jeremiah. You know what Jeremiah did? He just did what God told him to do. And they throw him in a pit. And they yell at him, scream at him, everything else. When the Babylonian kings came in, the king said, you find Jeremiah, because I know him. And you take care of that guy. Because the Lord said we were going to come in and take this place over. And Jeremiah told him that. They didn't listen to him. You take that guy and you take care of him. You give him whatever he needs. He said it's from the king. Jeremiah, you know what? He had to, he had to take a lot of stuff for those people. He was never allowed to get married. He followed the Lord his whole life. He died single of everything. Not one convert. Baruch was with him, but not one convert other than that. There was an Ethiopian that helped him out. And they, they said, you grab that Ethiopian too, and you tell him, Jeremiah, that, hey, because of what you did, he goes, I, you, God says, that did not go unnoticed. I watched you when you helped my man, Jeremiah. He goes, you're taken care of too. I'll tell you what, man, you don't think God's got this thing under control? You go out there and control it yourself. Go do your thing yourself and find out how it works in about 40 or 50 years. Come back and see me. I'm going to tell you what I did in 40, 50 years. All I did was went along for the ride, man. That's all I did. He says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. I'm supposed to learn some things about these. Why? To get me through life so that I can be an example to my brothers and sisters. We then that are strong. How are you supposed to ever get strong if you never go through these trials? You know what I've learned in life? You got to let other people go through trials. I got to sometimes shut up, man, and let you go through the messes that you need to go through so you can beat your head against the wall. But I got to stay here and be firm so that you have a place to come back to. Yeah. Or at least whenever you fall, you go, oh, I messed up, and not kick you out of church. Let's church him, man. Let's church him. I don't want to church anybody. I want the Lord to church me off this planet is what I want him to do. That we through patience. Everything's in this verse, by the way. Patience. Oh. We hate patience. Bearing pains or trials calmly and without complaint. Ugh, I don't like that. Manifesting forbearance under pro, uh, provoca provocation or strain. You ever been provocated? <coughs> Me and my wife's been provocated here lately. And boy, I mean, you have to calm her down. Beth, if Beth gets mad, you're in trouble. I mean, I have to calm her. I'm about the only one who can calm her down. But man, I tell you, it's hard to calm her down. She is. You, you start messing with me, and she's going to kill you. I'm going to tell you, man, that girl, is. she will take you out, man. She will find a gun, and she will take you out. <laughs> Not hasty or impetuous. Patience, patience is a strange word. Paul is saying, you know, the older you get in the Lord and the stronger you get in the Lord, the more patient you're going to have to be. Why? Because some of these little ones, they're just, they're, just, they're going to they're do that to you. They're going to kill you. They're going to try constantly to aggravate you. And they're going to do, because they don't know. How do they know? They don't. They can't know. Moms and dads, I would love that. Figure out a pill that you could give a baby. Riley, give a baby a Riley pill. There you go. Give Alex Steve's a pill. <laughs> there ain't one. You know what it is? Time. Time is just it. But we, as, as the older we get in the Lord, or even moms and dads, you got to get to the place where you're like, okay, it's the same thing over again, year after year after year. 
Sometimes letting them go to prison is a good thing because at least you know they're behind bars. <laughs> Not hasty or impetuous, steadfast despite opposition, difficulties, and adversity. What's going to keep you going? Paul is sitting here saying, you know what young people need to see is they need to, boy, Brother Matthew gave a, a great testimony. He's over in, in Pennsylvania, and the Lord tells him he's coming to Dayton. What would he have done if he came come to Dayton and we weren't here? Yeah, I'm sure the Lord already had that figured out. You know, the Lord's looking for some faithful men and women that's going to stick here and not quit. And, and what, you know what most people do is they quit at a drop of a hat. They're looking for a reason. It's like, go on and offend me so I can quit. I'm looking for a reason to quit. I'm looking for a reason to go on. That's like the light bulbs, man. I got under conviction, man, when Brother Barry said, how come you ain't seen them light bulbs for the whole year? I said, because they ain't been flickering for no whole year. He goes, yes, they have. I said, no, they haven't. So I went up and grabbed Mike. I said, Mike, how long has the light bulb been flickering? How long, when did you replace me? Because a year ago. I'm like, there ain't no way, man. And then I thought about Brother Pilkington when he was here. He's always like this. Praise God. He's always looking up. So they're strobing right in his face. I'm always depressed like this. I'm looking down the ground, so I didn't see him. I got to get right. You say, what is that? Patience. Patience, you know, after a while, you just sit there and look at something for a while, and you can fix it. It's just patience. That's all it is. You know people the same way? Some, most people aren't going to get fixed overnight. It's going to take time. They're going through the same struggles that we are going through, all maybe at different levels, but their emotions and their feelings and their hearts, desires, and everything else are in playing in that too. And you got to give the Lord time to work all that stuff out in their lives. And comfort of the scriptures. I like my scriptures, man. I get comfort out of these things. Paul in chapter 16, Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in a jail cell. I was preaching this in a jail one day and I was sitting on the ground. I got down on the ground and I had my hands in stocks and bonds and all this other bars and and uh, the jailer coming there, they thought the, the prisoners already got me on the ground, was beating me up. He goes, don't ever do that, man. You're on camera, and we're watching you. And you go down, and we, like, we think they got you, man. I said, no, I was just illustrating. I was illustrating. And I said, here's at midnight, man. Paul and Silas are sitting there in bars, and you'd think they'd be bellyating. And then they got whips on. And now, when they got beat, they got beat. I know something about being beat, but I was never beat like them. My dad used to whip us with a belt. And I mean, when he got done, you know you was whipped. And these guys were beat. And they had stripes and bruises all over their body. And then they're bent over, man. I don't know if you had open wounds and ever you bend them things over like that. And they put them in these stocks and bonds in the pits down in the dungeon. And, and here's Paul and Silas. And Silas and Paul, I can, I can see Silas doing it. I can't believe, I told you to shut up. And you didn't do it. And then we get in trouble. And, and, and then you could have shut up any time and we could have got out of there. But no, no, Paul, you got to just open your mouth and tell everybody that Jesus. And now look at us. And Paul looks at him with his big smile on his face. <laughs> so let's sing Amazing Grace, man. Uh, maybe, how about the old rugged cross? <laughs> That's pretty good, too. How about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? How about one of these other songs? Actually, I can hear him. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And the, the bars start shaking the walls that saved a wretch like me. Everybody else was listening. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know what Paul and Silas were doing? The scriptures was in their soul, man, and they were getting comforted by the word of God. And you know what it was? The Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. They had some of the books, but they didn't have all of them. And, and it wasn't readily available. But Paul knew everything about the Old Testament you could know. 
He knew his God was faithful. You know what his God told him? The Lord said, met him one night and said, Paul, you got to go preach to Rome. You know, Paul knew he was going to go to Rome. There was no, nothing that was going to stop him from going to Rome. So let's have a good time on the way. And he had a good time. Paul was a great guy, man. I like I liked the rich man Lazarus. You say, how in the world do you get comfort out of that? 1624 says, and the, the rich man's down. You know, the rich man never had a name. Here's Lazarus, a bum, a leper. And his name's mentioned. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Lazarus, Lazarus. He says, I'm there, man, I'm there. Rich man ain't got that. If you're in your day, you're lost. You ain't got that. But the rich man, he goes right here. It says 1624 and says, and he cried and said, he's looking across that gulf, man. It'd be like from here to back to the baptismal. And Abraham and Isaac and all them guys are over there. And Lazarus is over there. And he's over here. And there's this big old gulf here. And you can't get across this thing. I mean, you're gonna, you're, as soon as you try to, it's like a barrier. You just hit the thing and it wouldn't let you through. Abraham even said, he goes, and he cried, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the finger of his, his tip of his finger in water that cool my tongue that I'm, because I'm tormented in these flames. Abraham saith, son, call him son. We were there at one time together. And you, you chose something else. You had, you had an opportunity to choose what you wanted. And he goes right here. He goes, remember that in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. You say, how in the world does that comfort you? Because I'm not going to go there when I die. I already know where I'm going when I die. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. I know one day I'm going to stand before the judgment of Christ, not the white throne judgment. I know exactly where I'm going. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I know right where I'm going when I die. That's a comfort to me. I'm sitting here and it's sad and I can't do anything about the rich man. Matter of fact, I can't do nothing about Lazarus. But boy, you know what I can do? I can help somebody else. I know what the Lord told me to do. I know what he exactly has told me to do and all I have to do is do it. Romans 8.22, and here we go. I'm just about done. It says, the last part of that verse it says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You got hope today? Tyler's message is joy. I've seen Dr. Roman preach a message on his joy and he brings the joy over the side. And he said, Jesus, others, and then yourself. He says, if you always put Jesus first in your life and you put others second, if there's any time left, you put you at the end of that thing. He said, you'll always have joy. If you get that thing reversed, you know what you'll have? Yug. <laughs> Don't know what that is, but that's what you'll have. <laughs> Romans 8.22 says this, For we know, that the, Paul's talking again, that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. If you look at the world and you're out there in it at all, you see it. And not only they, but, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. That's the rapture. One of these days, man, the, last, the trump is going to sound, the last trump, and I mean, you're going to hear this voice say, come up hither, and we are going to be gone. That's my hope. I, you know, I haven't seen, I've never seen Jesus Christ. I told you all in the cheese mess, man, something picked me up. I don't know what it was. You say, how do you know? Because I'm about choking, man. I mean, my collar was ripped. I said, something did that. I want to go see what that is. 
You say, what, what? I haven't seen it. I didn't see no angel in there. Nobody else seen no angel in here. All they seen was this wacko kid nut that was sitting there preaching to everybody. I got the oldest, meanest master chief you ever seen, man. I saw Brother Steve's dad the other day, and he, he was a riverboat captain up in uh, uh, Vietnam. And Master Chief one year was a riverboat captain. And so I know something about riverboat captains. And this guy, man, one year was, I mean, this guy was crazy. Uh, but he was a man. He was a real man. A real crazy one, but he was a man. And the rest of them guys on the ship, they're all a bunch of, uh, I ain't going to I'm not going to say it. But one Lord said, go down there and tell Master Chief one year what you just did. And I went down to his office. And I said, Master Chief, man, you ain't going to believe what I just did in your chief's mess. <laughs> I'm still excited. I think he liked it because I was excited. I mean, it was like, yeah, man. I stood up to Blackburn. Blackburn was in there. He's the other big old mean Master Chief in there. And I was right in his face, man. I mean, me and him was black back and forth. Yeah, he was yelling. He couldn't win. So you know what he did? He's just like a typical Democrat. They get mad at you, then they start cussing you out and, and, and attacking your credit or your character and everything. He kicked me out. He couldn't deal with me. He kicked me out of cheese mess. He was losing in front of 75 other, 70, 75 other people, man. He's losing because the Lord was winning. I know, I know the Lord was winning. But he goes, he goes on and he goes, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, why, uh, for, for what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? But if we... Hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Titus 2, 1, 11 says this, 2, 11. For the grace of God bringeth salvation, uh, that bringeth salvation that appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You know why you do it? For others. Number one, you do it for Jesus Christ, and you do it for him. But it's for others. Then it goes on, he says, he goes, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a particular people zealous of good works. You know what Jesus is looking for? He's like the Marine. He's looking for a few good men and women that will just do what he wants them to do the way he wants it done. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And then 1 Peter 3.15, and I'll be done right here. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That means clean your heart up. Say, so, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what would you have me do? Well, I'd have you do this. Okay, I'll do that. And then when you get that done, say, okay, Lord, what would you have me do? Well, I will do, that, do this. Lord, what would you have me do? Eh, just let's let that one settle in for a little bit. How about now? Okay, let's do this. And what you'll find out is 43 years later, he'll change your life. And you won't be the same one. I still think I'm the same guy that I was on that back porch 43 years ago. I still think I'm the same person that was there. And in my mind, I'm still as messed up as I was right there. Other people look at me and say, I can't believe you were ever like that. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> was? <laughs> I said, is. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with all meekness and fear. You know where joy comes in? It does for me anyways, telling somebody about Jesus Christ. You enter today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you know what the first thing you need to do is get saved. These people all joined the church this morning, which is a blessing. That, that's a joyful thing. I started it off. I wanted it to be joyful. But, but joy, real joy, comes when a person stops and says, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to get saved. I need to get saved. 
you got to come to the realization that, hey, you're lost, like the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus ended up down, but that's before salvation. The cross comes along, Jesus Christ dies on the cross, and a door is opened up in heaven, and the precious blood of Jesus Christ was spilt at Calvary for us and taken to the altar because he told Mary, he said, don't touch me not, for I have not yet ascended. And when he came back, he said, now you can touch me. Brethren, we can now touch him. He's touchable. You can reach out and get a hold of him right now. And he says, I'm here. Come and get me. Come. Come all ye that are heavy laden. And I will give you. He says, come, 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 come. And you know what? People won't do it. He says, you need to do it. He says, the door is open. The payment's been made. All you got to do is walk through. The Philippian jailer came out with Paul and them singing and all the doors fell off and, and the jails were all open. And then prisoners, man, were so enamored with what was going on in that jail cell with Paul and, and Silas. They, them two must have been beaten more than anybody else in that jail. I mean, do you get a bunch of prisoners that stop? And the Holy Ghost was moving all through that thing. But you get a whole bunch of prisoners that's sitting there looking like what would make those two do that in the shape they are in? And they're all just sitting there and that jailer comes out and he's about ready to kill himself because he knows, man, the Rome, what Romans are going to do to him. The Roman soldiers are going to come down. They're going to kill him because he was responsible for everybody in that jail. And now they're all going to be gone because all the bars are broke off and a typical jail break is, I mean, they're out of here. And Paul goes, ah, oh, don't hurt yourself. We're all here, man. Everybody's still here. We're all still having a good time. Service is not over yet. Altar call. <laughs> and the guy comes in, and you know what he says? He doesn't say, why? He goes, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? I'll tell you what. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's what you do. You say, how do I believe? You ask him. You know, Romans, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says something, but uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says, Christ died for our sins. you got to believe that Jesus Christ died for you and you're a sinner. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. I don't have a problem with anything. If he can build a universe, I don't have a problem with any of that. I mean, I, I mean, none of that. I don't have a problem with Mary having a baby. I don't have a problem with none of that. I have never had a problem. If he can make a donkey talk, I, he makes me talk. I said, I don't have a problem with that. What all he does, I mean, I'm, getting, I'm at a point where I don't care anymore. You do whatever you want. I'm with you, man, 100%, because it's going to turn out right either here or there. If you're in here today and you're lost, you're going to be like that rich man. He's going to be down in hell. That rich man was in hell over 2,000. Jesus Christ told that story 2,000 years ago. That man's been in hell, and the Lord never wanted him to go to hell. That man's been in hell for over 2,000 years. He's not the only one. He's been in hell for over 2,000 years in torment, and Lazarus has been with the Lord for over 2,000 years in, in perfect peace and joy. You know how you get joy? You get Jesus. Are you saved? Do you know you're saved? We're going to close right here. I'm, I went a little bit longer than what I thought it was going to go, but I'm telling you what, I couldn't stop. This is, I, when I look at this, man, my whole life for 43 years has been joy. When I was lost, my happiness was in Jesus Christ. I knew, I knew by what the Catholic Church taught me that God was who he said. It had to be him. It has to be a God. It, has to, it can't be evolution. It has to be a God. The Catholic Church taught me that. Now, a lot of other stuff they taught wrong, but that they taught me I believed. And I'm like, okay. And I spent some time, man, I would sit there and just talk. I talked to the Lord, and, 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 and I pray. I do the best I could as lost. And one day he got a Bible in my hand and saved my soul. And I'm telling you what, my life has never been the same since. And I don't want it to be. You know where I get my joy at now? Is telling somebody else about him. Today's your day. Today could be the day of your salvation. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for a book. 
that has so much stuff in the Old Testament for our learning and admonition. Lord, thank you that you have showed us that uh, what you've done for us, we should do for others. And it's always been you first and others second and myself last. Lord, help us to see that. And Lord, thank you again for just letting us be here today. Thank you for everybody that came out. Lord, we pray for Brother Joe. He's sick today. And, and all those that's listening at home, Lord, I pray for them. And thank you, Brother Paul. And he's at home uh, still in, in pain. And I just pray for him. And Miss Linda, Lord, just bless him now. Uh, Miss Betty, she's at home, Lord. And there's so many people, Lord, that need prayers and us to lift them up. But, Father, I just want to thank you most of all today for saving my soul. Uh, Lord, it's, been a, it's just been a joy ride for... Uh, 43 years, and, and Lord, I know the end, it, as, as soon as it comes, Lord, it'll be joyful all the way up to the end until we get to see you face to face. Lord, if there is somebody in here today that's lost, and they know they're lost, and they, they need to get saved, I just pray that you'd give them uh, the courage, Lord, to stand up and, and uh, trust you as their Lord and Savior. Thank you for those that joined the church today. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd bless them and, and uh, that everybody would go around and, and shake their hand and welcome them in. And Father, again, thank you for your blessings. We'll talk to you later. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>